Welcome to the Happy Tech Podcast. I'm your host, Amy Spector, and we're here to explore the latest in positive education technology. Today on the Happy Tech Podcast, therapist Ryan Engelstad discusses the promises and perils of technology for his youth and young adult clients. Hi, Ryan Engelsry. Welcome to the Happy Tech Podcast. I'm so happy to have you here with me today. Thank you for having me, Amy. And actually, that's that's my my screen name. My full name is Ryan Engelstad, but my uh, my all my my social media is Engelsry. That's E N G E L S R Y. So thank you for giving me the social media shout out. Okay, great. Well, then we'll give you a double shout out. <laughs> Excellent. Um, well, fabulous. I'm so happy that you're here today. You are a therapist um, and you have a private practice, correct? That's right. I'm in private practice in Princeton, New Jersey. Okay. And tell me a little bit about your practice, like who you see and what types of issues you work with. Yeah. So I've taken a, a long winding road to where I am now, but as of right now, I primarily see, I'll say high schoolers to postgraduates. And then in addition to that, I see their parents or in some cases, their grandparents. Um, so I get a lot of family work, but as I said, mostly in that young adult range of you know, 15 to early 30s. So as you can imagine, that comes with a lot of, especially in the Princeton area, a high amount of stress related to school, family, job, you know, launching out of the home environment, all that kind of stuff. So I deal with mostly with, with those areas, uh, depression, anxiety, a little bit of trauma. Um, but in that sense, I'm able to kind of run the gamut of ages and presentations. Great. And um, you you work with a lot of young adults and teens, it sounds like. So I sure do. They, I sure mu- do. they must be very heavy into technology as um, most people of that age are. Yeah, for better or worse sometimes. <laughs> Yeah. So tell me more from exactly what role do you see technology playing in the mental health of your clients? So I will so say, I will say initially, you know, a lot of for the patients that come in to see me, it is typically something that they'll identify as a negative. But that doesn't mean that we're not able to find ways to use the technology they already use in positive ways. And I think that's a big challenge for them. But when they're able to do it, they experience a lot of the benefits that these, let's say, apps or social media sites or um, even hardware in some cases can offer them. Right. So what are some of the negatives that they're experiencing or identifying? So especially for the teens, you know, one of the biggest things I see is just this sort of hyper focus on the sort of more addictive aspects of some of the apps. So that's, you know, your your likes and hearts and um, shares and we tweets, you know, that especially the one of the funny ones with the teens is the snap streaks on Snapchat. Oh, yes. um, <laughs> My teens are, are so into that. Yeah. Yeah. And they, yeah. they feel so much pressure to keep streaks going. And, you know, the stats that come as a result of that, I think you even get like a snap, a Snapchat score, which only to recently I was not even aware was a thing. Um, so things like that, that they get hyper locked into as having some significance when in the larger realm of things, it really doesn't. And same thing really for, for Facebook and Twitter, you know, getting focused on sort of the 
representation of what the likes mean that if you're getting x many of likes that means that the post was good and then you are good or you are funny or you are interesting so that the validation that those apps give you is kind of hollow but they're still seeking it out yes yes so how are you working that uh working with that in a clinical way to um to help your clients through that sort of uh, false validation they're seeking and that um, intense desire to be kind of um, tethered to the streaks and the technology and the, the likes and hearts and all of that. Yeah. So I think the thing I try to work on with them is to identify what they're trying to get from each individual app, because each each one has its strengths and weaknesses or or areas where you're more likely to experience stress, let's say. So and in being intentional in seeking out that goal, so let's say Facebook, um, the goal maybe is to stay in touch with friends or family, just communicate, share things about your life. So I'll work with them on being intentional and using it that way, because when you start to use these apps or these different forms of technology sort of mindlessly, you know, whether you're just scrolling through your Twitter feed or your news feed, you know, that's where the negative feelings come from is seeing the cool stuff all your friends are doing or, you know, getting wrapped up in the negative news cycle. And you don't go onto Facebook or Twitter seeking for that experience. So if you can be intentional in following through on what you actually are seeking out, whether that's individual connection or group connection, you can have a much more positive experience. And I think you can limit your use of it in that way as well. Yeah, that's a that's a great example because there is a reason people are seeking these out. Of course. Yeah, I mean, a lot of people want that connection and, and these apps can offer that um, if you're using them in a, in a mindful and thoughtful way. So that's great that you're able to help your clients really, really get what they're trying to get out of it. And I think about something like Instagram where you can get a lot of benefits in the sort of motivation to create something, whether that's photography or art that you do or um, food that you make, you know, whatever it is, helping it drive something bigger than what the app is and just sort of scrolling through, you know, what's going on in the world, but actually using it as something to help you create something positive for yourself, that there are angles within each of these apps that can help people use them in a positive way. Right. So um, what are some other positive roles you see technology playing for your for your clients that you're working with? Yeah. So one thing that I'm, I'm sort of excited about is, you know, especially recently over the summer, a lot of my patients, whether they're students or adults, even, you know, they go on vacation or if they're pre if they're students at Princeton University, they're traveling all over the world or they're going home. So I'm not seeing them but I can give them now recommendations for ways to stay connected on the work that we're doing, whether it's with me or with another therapist for a couple months, that, that this technology did not exist even as of last summer. So whether that be things like, um, I don't know if you're familiar with coach.me, for example, it's a, a nice little coaching app that I've, I have had positive experiences with my patients using just to identify one goal to focus on that they can get a lot of support with, whether from a group of people that are working on the same goal or from hiring a coach that you work with on text-based chat uh, daily or weekly. 
No, that's I have not heard of that. Yeah, I'm seeing a lot I, of I that. a lot of like positive progress in that area that you know, obviously there are apps for therapy and and there are some some concerns about how effective that is, but taking a step back and just looking at coaching or goal setting, there's a great opportunity there for people to stay I think mindful of the progress they're trying to make if they're not able to stay in contact with their therapist. Yeah, it's such a it's such a great way to not just drop off and lose progress right. over a break. You know, and and you're in a situation where you have these these sort of um, not natural, but you know, sort of uh, calendar breaks that yeah. are thrust yeah. upon you. No matter what stage of therapy you're at, you have summer vacation is coming up, or an internship, or whatever your students are connected with. So it's really, it's great that you're able to find these resources so that things don't just stop and you have to pick up and backpedal, you know, when you get back in touch and start working with someone again. Yeah. And, and even simple things, you know, away from the therapy and coaching stuff, you know, even really simple stuff. Like I love the, um, like seven minute workout apps, because I think one of the things that people struggle with in the sort of behavior change is where to start and the expectations that they set for themselves. So having something really small and simple, like a seven minute workout, where it'll literally give you every single exercise and a timer for how long you should be doing it is a really nice small way to begin tracking progress. So that uh, to me has made it much more achievable for people who are trying to establish positive behaviors like exercise, for example. And there's stuff like that for everything. Yeah, that's great. Is there like a seven minute mental health app? Um, so it sort of depends on what you're looking for. You know, um, if you think about sort of mental health areas, the stuff that comes to mind now is stuff like Calm and Headspace, where you can sort of take those mindful breaks in your day or even have sort of built up practice over days and weeks and months where you're able to really build this positive habit of meditation or mindfulness for example yeah those are um those are some favorites of of my students sure the brevity of them you know yeah. they mm -hmm. can get something 30 seconds to two minutes and feel better right away yeah i like those as well yeah the immediate gratification are there any other um, apps that you've had a lot of success with, with your clients? Yeah. So, I mean, along those same lines, there's another one similar to Headspace and Calm. Um, I want to say it's called Insight Timer. And yeah, it's similar in the sense that it gives you sort of guided meditations, but it's free and it offers a really much, I would say, wider variety of guided meditation. So it could be on creativity, it could be on anxiety, it could be things to help you get to sleep. You know, whereas I found Headspace to be, you know, they have they have sort of tracks for that. But I like the sort of specificity and being able to decide, oh, right in this moment, I want to be creative. So let me find something guided for that. Yeah. Um. So I'm glad to hear that there are some positive, <laughs> you're seeing positive aspects of technology. No question. It, uh, you know, when, when I first started this podcast, I really was focused on the positive. And, and since then, in conversations with people, it's interesting to me how immediately negative aspects of technology come up and people are having a hard time seeing the positives. Um, 
So it's great to hear that in your clinical experience, you've got some great apps that are go-tos for you and that you're kind of seeing that progress and that um, usefulness of it for the people that you're working with. Yeah, I definitely feel like I am. Even even thinking about hardware, you know, you see people with, um, you know, their their step trackers and, you know, sleep monitors and all these different kind of things that being more aware of things that you wouldn't necessarily be aware of if you weren't tracking them kind of gives you the information that you can use to then improve that behavior that you wouldn't be paying attention to otherwise. Yeah, absolutely. Um, have Have you or any of your uh, patients used sleep trackers? Yeah, I have at least one off the top of my head that I know uses it and she'll She'll share about, oh, you know, I got X number of hours of of deep sleep or REM sleep. And I think having that extra information, she can then sort of compare and contrast that with what she was doing during the day or what she was eating and what sort of impact those other factors might be having on the, the depth and positive quality of her sleep. Yeah, I've been really fascinated by all the attention and research that sleep is getting these days. Um and it's and the correlation with mental health. Yeah, more and more links to depression. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and that a lot of a lot of anxiety and depression can be um, really uh, made a lot better by just improving the quality of sleep. Mm-hmm. So that's great that you've got that you've got people kind of on that and using the sleep apps. Yeah, it's one of the questions I always ask people now in evaluations: is how is your sleep? You know, do you, are you waking up in the middle of the night? All these sorts of things, and sometimes they don't know. So, and that's the nice thing is that there are even, you know, apps now that you can, you know, put your phone on your bed and it'll track how much it moves during the course of the night. So you don't necessarily have to buy a sleep tracker. You can have some of that information that your phone's getting you. So I think, you know, the direction that things are heading are definitely in a, in a positive way for me. Yeah. And I know um, I had a colleague who had an Apple watch and was, yeah. Uh, yeah borderline obsessed with that sleep feature. Mm-hmm. Actually, she loved tracking her sleep and looking at the quality of it. And really for her, it was a huge motivator. Like, oh, I didn't sleep well last night. I've got to get to bed early tonight. And I need to do these, you know, three things. I need to eat dinner by six and uh, get some exercise in so that I can get a really good quality sleep. And she was, she was really dedicated to it. It was really pretty inspiring to see how, how well she used that feature on her Apple Watch. Yeah, so you know, any way people can get access to that information, whether it be Apple Watch or just their phone, or you know, even ask, you know, if you happen to sleep with a significant other, you know, sometimes people get to the point in their relationship where you wouldn't necessarily tell your significant other that they were snoring or that you noticed them waking up X number of times. But the more information you have, the better you can, I think, prepare to improve the way that sleep interacts with your mood and energy and all that positive stuff. Right. And it's kind of like you're pointing out, you know, it's a piece of the puzzle. So it's, you can get this information in a lot of different ways. Um, It can be from a person or from how you feel the next day or from even simple pen and paper. I went to bed at 10 and I woke up. Old school technology. (laughs) Yeah, right. Exactly. Old school technology. Um, But these apps make it, I think, appealing to to youth and young adults as well um, because it's something that they're you know they're using the technology anyway so for good and for for helping them achieve their goals so on to the the negative side of things um are you seeing a lot of people wanting help with tech overuse and if so how are you helping people manage that 
Yeah, so I definitely am. And, you know, now especially, I'm seeing a lot of older people, you know, who get into Facebook for the first time or who get into Twitter for the first time really being sucked in, especially by the news cycle stuff, you know, where they can't stop reading things or they can't stop, you know, pulling themselves or they, they have a hard time pulling themselves away from all the information that's out there. Um, you know, especially when you think about whether it's a political climate um, or, or other areas of people's interest. If you go on Twitter, and I, I, I don't remember who said this, but you can refresh Twitter every, let's say, five to 10 seconds, and there will be new information there for you. And you could do that forever. Which sounds great, you know, lots of new information, lots of news, all that stuff, but it's not great for people who have anxiety or avoidant tendencies, you know, or, or especially trauma, because you're constantly getting inundated with sort of new opportunities to be triggered in some negative way, typically. So yeah, in terms of how I'm helping people, yeah, you know, everything from, you know, timers, you know, that's, that's the nice thing is that, yes, there are, um, you know, negative impacts of the technology, but now, especially you're seeing in like the recent updates to iOS and Android, that they're encouraging people to monitor their, let's say, social media use, or even just their phone use in general. So I'll, I'll suggest people to take advantage of those, um, let's say, trackers, so that this sort of unaware behavior, just like similar to sleep, is becoming more conscious. So that at the end of the day, they can see, oh, I actually spent an hour scrolling Twitter today. That's too much. So how can I make this behavior for myself more conscious? Do any of your um, patients use the, the apps that limit the amount of time they can spend on any given um, website or app? You yeah, know? I've had a hard time pushing those, I will say. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> um, I've played with them myself, and, and I, I see it too, you know. After a couple of days or a week, you're like, okay, I, I think I know what this app is trying to tell me. I can handle it myself. And then, you know, after a period of time, you're kind of right back to where you started. So it's having the sort of willpower, which is a problem when it comes to this stuff, but really the willpower to say, okay, as I was talking about before, am I using this in a way that I'm happy or that's, that's intentional in some way? You know, I'm sharing something with somebody, I'm expressing opinion, I'm taking a picture, I'm doing something creative, because if that's not the case, then you probably have something that you should be doing or would rather be doing. Right. Especially with, you know, you're working with a lot of students. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Are trying to balance study time with or work with, you know, with with fun technology time. Yeah, it's a challenge. So I know this is a hugely controversial uh, topic, but I'm curious your thoughts on tech addiction. Do you think this is real? Should this be in the DSM, um, what, what are your, what have you thought about this? Yeah, I do think it's real. I think whether, whether it should be in the DSM, I think it does sort of follow, or I should say fall under other like impulse control behavior disorders and things like that, that it wouldn't necessarily need its own. Although I guess they're talking about things like video game addiction being in the next one. So maybe you should just tack it on. Right. Um, but there's no question for me that it's real. It's just a question of if it's real, how do we treat it differently from, let's say, substance abuse addiction, 
or pornography addiction or uh, video game addiction or all these other sorts of things that we're seeing. Because for me, you know, especially because it tends to hit people in a certain age and a certain development time, it's even more important that sort of education be out there, um, you know, whether it be grammar school, high school, that yes, these apps have a lot of positives to them, but if you're not sort of using them in a in a intentional, effective way, you might as well be smoking cigarettes. You know, it's like a like a mental mental cigarette. You know, it gives you that high, but then you sort of come down as well well from it as well. I'm trying to remember, um, I know there have been some initial studies on sort of, you know, watching the brain when they get a Twitter like or when they get a Facebook like. Um, and I, I feel like there was some similarities to that sort of initial hit of, I want to say cocaine, but, you know, don't quote me on that. Because the brain is excited. So from that end, it's definitely real. It's a tough one because at this point it's like um, food addiction yeah. in that when you're treating someone with food addiction, everybody has to eat. And obviously people can live without technology, but you, it's very yeah. difficult to in today's yeah. day and age. Most schools require students to be online, um, using computers. Um, most workplaces expect you to have access to technology and fluency with it. So it's really... Um, you know, it really is, like you said, a matter of really managing it and learning, getting the education so that you're aware of what the what the risks are and, and then also um, getting the tools yep. and strategies so that you don't have to fall into that really negative trap of, you know, losing sleep or uh, family members, contact, you know, like all those sort of negative consequences that you can see with an addiction. Yeah, it actually, it reminds me of, there was a professor, and I'll have to look up exactly what it was, but... There was a professor that was struggling with his students being on their laptops in class. And just as the same reasons that you're talking about, you sort of feel like you need to for various reasons. And even if you don't necessarily need to, you'd rather be on your laptop than, you know, watching your professor pontificate, right? But because it was such a distraction, he changed his policy at the beginning of the next semester to make it opt in. So at the start of the semester, you had to decide for the rest of the semester, do I want to have my laptop out or do I not? And what he noticed was that far more people that he expected actually opted out of having their laptop. And then it made the environment one that the people who chose to use their laptop were the ones that were actually using it for notes. For the most part, obviously, you have, you know, people who are going to use it for their own purposes no matter what, but far more people than he expected actually opted out of using the laptop in favor of, let's say, handwritten notes or even like audio recording the lecture. So what I take from that, what I give to my patients with that is before you decide, let's say for the day or when you open your laptop, you know, what am I intending as I open this laptop? Am I intending to randomly scroll through Twitter and Facebook? Or am I intending to work? I love that he makes it intentional and that you have and to that make it that decision. Sticks, yeah. 
Yeah, that it really makes it concrete and salient. It's not just a mind, you know, mindless. Oh, here's my computer. Yep. I have it out, but I'm, I have my computer out. The purpose of having my computer out is to take notes. And not only that, but <laughs> and if because I don't there were my... so so much fewer people with laptops, it's almost like if you're going to choose to have your laptop, and you're going to be a person that's on Facebook, it's almost like you're going to be judged by people who are, you know, following this policy for specifically that reason. It's almost taking like the fear of missing out to the <laughs> to another level, you know, yeah, fear, yeah, fear of missing out on the lecture and of being connected yeah. in person in class. <laughs> the new FOMO. <laughs> fear of missing yeah. out on real life. So, so I'm going to ask you to dream Great. here for a minute and think if you could create the ideal piece of technology for improving happiness for your clients, for the young adults, for the youth you work with. What would that be? Yeah, I love this question. I mean, initially, I think for myself, um, because obviously I relate to my patients in, in various ways, whether it be stress or, um, you know, different expectations of self. Um, and I'm fascinated by some of the, let's say, harsher ways of holding ourselves accountable, whether it's um, for a while, I, I played around with an app that if you went over, let's say, four hours of internet use or whatever uh, amount of time you set that your phone would lock and you couldn't unlock it for half an hour or an hour or whatever time you set. And that seems kind of harsh. And that seems like, you know, almost like draconian, like that seems like a severe consequence. But if you're setting it up for yourself, this kind of gets back to what we we're talking about, having that, knowing that, and then seeing the statistics over days where it's like, oh, I'm getting up to my three or four hours. I can now plan ahead and say, oh, you know what? Actually, I don't need to go on Twitter right now. I can go work or I can do this. So I, I sort of take that to the next level. And I think about uh, Alexa, which I have in my house and it's fun to play with. But I, in terms of seeing the future of that technology, and again, this is, um, you know, thinking about myself, this feels a little extreme in some ways, but you know, if Alexa had a, let's say a camera or a video, and now you get into privacy and all those sort of questions. But if Alexa saw me playing video games or just sitting on my couch on my phone and Alexa said, Hey, Ryan, it seems like you've been sitting on the couch on the phone for an hour. Um, you asked me to remind you to go change the litter box or to go do the dishes or to go, you know, write an article. Um, because having that sort of outside, outside of your own awareness, um, sort of catch or net for what would be a mindless activity that could go on forever long, I think would be a really interesting um, intervention, let's say. Now, that's for me. I, I, can't, I can't say for other people how effective that would be or how comfortable they would be with that. But let's say I'm really intrigued by it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I love that idea. I, I can think of how many Netflix exactly. binges that could have saved me from, exactly. you know, right? And something about having the voice where it's it's almost like a person checking in on you is is a nice difference instead of just like your phone saying, hey, you've been on Twitter for 30 minutes. It's like, okay, phone, shut up. But something about Alexa, a voice, a human sounding voice saying like, hey, I'm concerned about you. Is everything okay? You know, do you do you need to go meditate or go exercise? That would snap me out of it a little bit differently. Right, right. And then having those mm -hmm. positive suggestions yep. there too is is so helpful. Like, uh, okay, right, yeah, I could go, you know, clean the litter box or yep. go for a walk around the block. Thank you, Alexa. Yep. <laughs> yeah. 
love it. Well, I think you need to contact. Um, yeah. <laughs> get, that, get them going on that. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm sure they're, I'm sure they'd be willing to do the video. I'm not sure how people would be, uh, how receptive people would be to be sort of constantly recorded, but that's, that's the next threshold. Right. Exactly. Yeah. It's coming. <laughs> it's coming whether yeah. you want it or not. Awesome. Well, are there any other thoughts you have on, um, on the intersection of technology and happiness and mental well-being? I guess the, the last piece is, you know, for people, you know, because I think one of the things I'm excited about in therapy technology is there are more and more apps to allow people to access therapy online. You know, ideally it would be video chat, but even if it's just text chat, for people who don't have access, whether because they live in rural areas and there are not enough therapists, or because they're homebound, you know, having access to these outlets, you know, I hope that becomes more and more normal. Um, whether it's things like coach.me, you know, there are a couple of therapy apps that I'm familiar with and even been in talks with to, to kind of help spread the work that they're doing. Um, it, that's exciting for me. And I hope it's something that continues to become more, more normal. Yeah, I think it, it offers so many advantages in terms of um, reach, like outreach to people who don't have yeah. access to a therapist, um, as well as people who aren't able to leave the house or just the difficulty of um, yep. setting up an appointment and getting, yep. you know, leaving work versus being able to pop into the um, bathroom or close your office door for 15 minutes and, and send some texts off and, you know, get a little support. In that yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm hopeful that it becomes more and more accepted that, that you could stay in bed or stay on your couch or do, you know, stuff in your kitchen and also have your therapist sort of right there with you. I think that has a lot of advantages and the more people start to accept that as something that could be useful to them, you know, the more benefits they'll experience. Absolutely. And it can help, you know, I know cost can be a barrier for a lot of people. And some of these technologies help lower the cost, not all of them, but some of them do. You know, I think some of them have quite high fees, but there are quite a few that offer you know, low fee or um, mm -hmm. by the minute, you know, so you're not paying necessarily for a whole hour. Right. Anything. Great. Well, um, any other thoughts you have? No, it's been a pleasure today? talking to you. I, I could talk about this stuff forever. So I'm... I'm, I'm <laughs> <laughs> I feel the same way. <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you so much for uh, taking the time to share with me your thoughts and your experiences uh, with technology and mental health. I really appreciate it. Thanks for listening to the Happy Tech Podcast. Have a great day.